For Friday, August 11th, 2023, come to you from the Go Go Sports Studio built by Arborly here at the Iconic Wall Center at downtown Vancouver. If you're looking for a place to stay or if you're up by the airport, we recommend the Weston Wall YVR. Mansa Cares alongside Blake Price, Grace Asset, and Switches conducting things. This show presentation of Applewood Auto Group, where we can get you in at Applewood Nissan Surrey, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Richmond. The 23 Murano from $135 weekly. The 23 Frontier from $644 monthly. And the extraordinary 23 Armada, the SL Midnight Edition, at $895 monthly because, Blake Price, it is all good at Applewood. And we also suggest you check out the Performance Center in Langley where they have all sorts of cool rides. We uh, have visited there and can tell you this about the Applewood folks. They're not just car enthusiasts. They're car fanatics. Well, so go on out love it. and check them out. Bodog poll question. Today we're asking, would JT Miller make a good captain? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. You know, the BC Alliance have been so good early in games and on first drives of the season. You have Vernon Adams back at quarterback, big home game. So Lions touchdown as the first score tomorrow. Pays plus 250 on your Bodog line of the day. Well, JT Miller, after his appearance on that Cam and Strick podcast, has Canuck Nation talking and many saying, God, love his honesty, love his passion, make this guy the captain. Of course, they do not have a captain after the trade of Bo Horvat to the Islanders last year. And so that is one of the things that we will be tracking and waiting for when training camp begins next month in Victoria. You think a lot of people are saying that? You think a lot of people? Yep. Well, I mean, I, I, I think there's this, much like with Ryan Kessler, I think there's a portion of the fan base that wants that outward leader Mm -hmm. that believes, you know, if he demonstrates all the alpha um, traits, then slap the C on him. Yes. You don't think so? I I mean, I think there's always going to be a portion of that. I don't think it comes close to being um, 40 or 50% of the Fan base. Well, we'll see on the poll. Yeah. Not that it's scientific, but, and we'll be uh, kicking around this topic a little later in S versus P. Yesterday's poll question Now that Eric Carlson is in Pittsburgh, is Quinn Hughes the best defenseman in the Pacific Division? Uh, 1,100 plus votes on this, Blake. Yes or no? What won the poll? Um, y- yes, won the poll. Correct. 70. 80. Mm. Home Pete's- cooking. Pete's Pucks. Right now, I would take Petrangelo ahead of any other Pacific D on my team if I was contending for a cop. Hughes is offensively electric and got much better defensively in the second half last year. But to quote Ric Flair, to be the man, you have to beat the man. We discussed this yesterday. Team success lacking for Quinn Hughes, and that's probably hurts his 
ranking on any kind of defenseman list around the NHL or in division. Street Hockey, Hashik says, I think Petrangelo is still the guy you want ahead of anyone. But ask again in a year. Best career of defenseman in the Pacific is still Drew Doughty, and I think that is very fair as well. Mm-hmm. Glenn says, Petro, Shea Theodore, Alder Grove, Shea Theodore, and Vince Dunn, who we discussed yesterday. Vince Dunn had an exceptional season with the Seattle Kraken whether that's an outlier or that's the beginning of things to come for Vince Dunn. And then Samyowski says, not going to be any bias in this poll, but yes, yes, he is. <laughs> Good honesty uh, there. Well, Blake, we've been waiting all summer here to see what's the resolution at Third Line Center in the Vancouver Canucks make news today, signing Pius Suter, former Blackhawk, former Red Wing, to a two-year contract worth $1.6 million dollars Per season, Rick Dollywall had told us earlier in the week that they're hoping to clear cap space before going after this third line center and that there were some centers who were waiting on the Vancouver Canucks. Well, they couldn't wait any longer. You wonder if someone was ready to pounce. Mm -hmm. So they add to cap commitments and they're already over. That's going to be troublesome. But they get a pretty neat player here. He's a three-year NHL veteran, as mentioned in Chicago and Detroit, he's been pretty consistent as well. Years of 14, 15, and 14 goals, 37, 36, sorry, 27, 36, and 24 points. 36 was two years ago with the Red Wings when he played the full 82. 24 last year in 79, so he backslid a little last year. He's not a right-shot centerman. He's a left-shot centerman. He is a penalty killer. Played one minute and 44 seconds shorthanded last year. That was third amongst Red Wings forwards. Minute 42 the previous year. That was second amongst Red Wings forwards. And um, a face-off guy, well, a career 46.7% face-off guy. One thing I will say, low penalty minutes with this guy. He oh, does yeah. not take a lot of penalties. Just yeah. six PEMs, three minors last year. In 79 games. He's sort of a victim of his own success defensively in that um, his zone starts plummeted. So Chicago thought he might be an offensive player, and and they were right. He was used as an offensive player in Chicago, and his points per game were the highest there in his rookie season. But he was also starting in the offensive zone 60% of the time. In this last year with Detroit, 40, 39.9% of the time he was starting in the offensive zone, 60% of the D zone. Um, And yet... It was his best year ever in terms of expected goals differential. Um, so he's he's still found a way to be defensive, and he's found a way to contribute offensively. But his rate has gone down, and I think largely it's because coaches be like, yeah. he's he's good defensive. I'm well, going to use him in those roles. He he finishes outside the top ten in Calder voting his rookie year. But let's remember this guy came over as a seasoned professional. He is Swiss. He played a number of seasons, in fact six in the Swiss Domestic League before coming over to the NHL later in age. He's 27 years old. So what I love about this move, though, Blake, is this is a bona fide third-line center. You're not going to go into the season, presuming everyone's healthy, trying to masquerade Teddy Bluger or Nils Oman as a third-line center. This guy allows you to slot Oman and Bluger more appropriately, and of course, he's going to create training camp competition for roster spots and lineup spots amongst the forward ranks. There was already 
a good one that we anticipated there involving Vasily Podkolzin and Nils Hoaglander on the wing. Now you have a little bit more depth at center, so you wonder whether you can fit Oman on a wing or Bluger on a wing if need be, have an additional center in the lineup for faceoffs, what have you, left side, right. They have no right side. Hmm. Um, but should you lose a guy uh, within a game? And look, uh, we have talked about in the past how the Vancouver Canucks, one of their trip-ups is that they go out and get players from other organizations and ask them to play up the lineup. That doesn't appear like it will be the case here with Suter. Right. He's likely to be slotted right where he should be, and he likely will get good wingers to work with. It's... uh no, it's it slots in really well. Yep. Uh, the, the only criticism you're going to be able to find, I think, of, of this contract, and again, not a long contract, so you're protected uh, mm-hmm. there. The only criticism is just it's just more money on the books it's right now. It's just more money on the books that now you have to go out and clear. Liberate I think it yourself also from. speaks to how desperate they are for penalty killers, um, knowing mm-hmm. full well that you don't want to lean on Patterson and Miller as much as you have in the past because they're your offensive players. So hopefully, for the Canucks' sake, he improves the penalty killing, and now I do you know, wonder they are going to have to make some interesting decisions on the cap, including potentially having to pay a sweetener to get some money off the books. Yeah. The only guys signed past 2026 right now are Quinn Hughes and JT Miller, and Elias Pedersen will be the next one you'd have to think. I mean, the, the team has cleaned that part up at least, Matt. Like, there are not... They are not overly committed now um, in any in any way, shape, or form, which does make unloading some of these cap yes. hits potentially a little bit easier, but still easier said than done at this late stage. I mean, again, they have to be cap compliant for opening night. Right. So that's – now I think I think they, they put the pen down here, Matt. I, I really do. I think they can't start thinking about adding right now until they've deleted. It's one thing to add knowing you've got that 10% buffer in the offseason. Mm-hmm. But honestly, put the pen down. You can exceed cl- the cap by 10% yes. in the offseason. Um, put the pen down for signing for now, and let's right. work on cleaning things up. Well, and look, this is an NHL player, but of course we thought the same thing of Jason Dickinson, and he didn't cut it here. No. If you did have to somehow, some way, part ways, he would not cost you all well, that we'll, much in the mic. We'll see what but the again, number is. This is an NHL player. He absolutely should be your third line center. Well, I mean, 80% of this contract can be buried in the minors That's too. It. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah. You've even got a little bit of cover there if yeah. worst, case worst case scenario, scenario comes yeah. about. Yeah. Another thing that caught my eye yesterday, uh, and really enjoy the at Big Head Hockey, H-C-K-Y, account on Twitter. It's a fun account. Teams with the most defensemen to dress for them mm-hmm. this Solid. past season. The Vancouver Canucks lead the list. 16? 16. Yeah. Can you believe that? 16. It's almost three full flights. Name them defensemen. all. All 16 right now. Oh, okay. We're not doing that. Me. It's too long a list. TDL. I bet JPAC could. Most definitely. Yeah, but I th- even with JPAC, I think there would be some, mm, you know, towards when you get towards the end. So 16 Canucks. Columbus and Toronto needed 15 defensemen last year. Chicago, Nashville, and Ottawa needed 14. Anaheim and 13. Anaheim and Arizona needed 13. As Big Head Hockey points out, of these teams, eight of them, only the Leafs made the playoffs. 
defensive cohesion is absolutely a thing. And I do think that's part and parcel why the Canucks went out and signed Carson, Susie, and Ian Cole in free agency. But that is one of the tickets, I think, this year, Blake, for the Vancouver Canucks to make the playoffs. We talk about how Demko has to be healthy and have a great year. We talk about how the stars have to continue to shine. But for me, Big Head Hockey hits it here. How many defensemen are you using? Which is an indication of A, how much injury and attrition you have on defense, but B, it's kind of an aptitude test of your defense as well. Because if you feel good about six guys, then you really want to be playing those six guys. And yeah, of course, you're going to have to go to defenseman eight or nine likely because of injury. But when you're getting over 13, that's probably says something in terms of the talent level that you're not measuring up to. But there's a luck. The blue line. There's a luck aspect there too, with it regards to injury, obviously. For sure. So, so that that plays into it as well. So there's a, there's a number of factors. Uh, I am sure that if you could just use eight defensemen that you love all through the season, everybody would sign up for that. But you get thrown some curveballs throughout the course of the uh, the season, and 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 hey, a, a team in flux at the bottom of the standings that is going to move pieces around that wants to see young players in new position. I mean, it's going to call for, now 16's uh, a huge number. But, but like that in and of itself tells you you're not a playoff team when you're looking at young guys no, totally. who are playing college free agents. No, totally. I mean, but what I'm saying is it's not like it was a uh, necessarily it could be conscious and both bad luck that 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 uh, contributes to But it. when you're also hemmed in your own zone, constantly having to defend, mm-hmm. separate guys off the puck, you're on the West Coast, you got tough travel, back-to-backs, three and fours, you know, that does add up. Bad, bad injury luck only goes so far. Mm-hmm. BC Lions and Calgary Stampeders tomorrow. It's a 4 p.m. kickoff from BC Place. Lions are 6-2. and two. Calgary is 3-5. and five. Of course, you want to hit up the pregame party on the plaza and we got the Lions roster which we'll get to here in a second but first Vernon Adams back at quarterback he continues to lead the Canadian Football League in completion percentage at 71% despite missing the last couple of games with injury Matthew Matthew Betts continues to pace the Canadian Football League in sacks and is still on pace to break Brent Johnson's record for sacks by a Canadian, 17, set in 2005. Although the Lions didn't get a sack or had one sack last week in Winnipeg, so that pass rush was part of the problem in what was a full breakdown defensively last week. The Lions beat Calgary in the West Semi last year. You may remember it was the first home playoff game in a number of years. But this says it all. Stampeders have won seven straight regular season games at BC Place. That's still shocking. Like, despite how good they have yeah. been, like, like they're that that's they've been weird. the class of the CFL. Yeah. But that is a long road winning streak in one building. And as we know, the Leos here are in the midst of a five game stretch against Western. West Division teams. They got wins against Saskatchewan Edmonton. They have lost to Winnipeg. Calgary this week. Then they're in Regina, which is never an easy place to play. Roster-wise, 
You know, the receiver game in and out continues. Dominic Rimes once again is going to miss this game. Peterman, the Canadian, is going to fill in. They're making a change on the corner. Edwards Cooper is down, so you'll have a young guy on the field corner. And that would, I suspect they're likely going to try and pick on him because that's what you do when you get a new guy on the field corner. Mike Jones is his name. He's got CFL experience, four years. Mm -hmm. But his first year here with BC. And then a change on the defensive line as well, where Sione Tuiema, the defensive end, is down. He won't play, but they're getting Josh Banks back at defensive tackle. They're moving Barron out to defensive end, which is an interesting move. Uh, Woody Barron at 270 and 6'1 is going to go out and play the one of the edges, making room for another American to slide in at the nose tackle spot or at the defensive tackle spot. Um, but that's a, a that's a altogether sort of beefier defensive line that may not have the pure come off the edge with speed pass rush. So we'll see how that that better help stop the run. Put it that way. When you're playing that big up front, you better be good stout against the run and then hopefully open up some opportunities to blitz the Calgary quarterback and see if he can get some turnovers that way. So as we've mentioned, this is the first little bit of adversity the BC Lions have experienced in 2023. This is now a very big game. And if you lose this one, then suddenly you are very much playing the second half of the season. And this marks the midpoint of the season. You're going to be playing a lot of meaningful games in the second half of the season, which didn't necessarily look like it was going to be the case heading into Winnipeg last yeah. week. You have to assert where you are in the standings in this game. Yeah. It's, it's on home field. It's a losing team. I don't care what they just did. You have to assert yourself in this game and keep this team down. And because you have a win at McMahon, if you win tomorrow, you know you have the tiebreak against the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah. The tiebreak against Winnipeg is still going to be up in the air. Of course, same goes with Saskatchewan. We just mentioned they're in Regina in a couple weeks. Still got a home game against Winnipeg, though, don't you? Yes, you yeah. do. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah. So at the very least, get this one and know that you're going to have the tiebreak over Calgary at the end of the year, should it come to play. And, as with every Lions home game, we have a winner to announce here for a pair of tickets, a food and bev gift card, and a gift card at the team store. Congratulations to Raheem Wally of Burnaby. You're off to the game tomorrow with a friend. Thank you for listening and for entering our contest. And while he spells the last name differently... <laughs> Very appropriate yeah, that we would have there. a winner named Wally on a weekend where the BC Lions honor former head coach and general manager Wally Buono and the Waterboys Network, which of course was so successful in revitalizing the club after Bob Ackles returned here in the early 2000s. They are all going into the Lions Wall of Fame this weekend. We had Wally on the show yesterday, so congratulations Raheem, enjoy the game, and congratulations to Wally and the water boys for this honor. Vancouver Canadians win again last night at the NAD. That's all they do, Blake. Yeah, they're win machines. So they've already split the series at worst with Tri-City. Nooner today, of course, 7 o'clock tomorrow and 1 o'clock on Sunday. And 
Greats. Speaking of honoring past greats, we've got news on that front from both the Mariners and the Blue Jays. It is King Felix Hernandez weekend in Seattle. He is going into the M's Hall of Fame tomorrow, of course, through that perfect game 13 years ago. In fact, I think the uh, anniversary of that, sorry, 11 years ago, I believe the anniversary of that is on Tuesday. And then Jose Bautista doing the one-day contract, retire as a Toronto Blue Jay. He's going into their level of excellence, and I suspect there will be a uh, pantomimed bat flip or maybe even a recreation of the bat flip. And all this on a day in which the Jays optioned Alec Manoa. So it was a good good day to hide the bad news of Manoa going Mm -hmm. to AAA when you – because they all but look over here. some work. They got Ryu back, so they do have uh, some starting pitching there. And uh, I'll say this. It's always fun when the Chicago Cubs come to your place. That's one of the good things about interleague play is you get to play those still feels classic novel. franchises yeah. exactly. Um, those classic franchises in the the National League. The Cubs are absolutely a national, if not an international, brand. I I would argue, and so you're hosting the Chicago Cubs, and has Stroman uh, set the pitch? You see uh, our boy Stro. Back on the bump at Rogers Center? Not sure if he's scheduled this mm. weekend. All right. He is not. He's based, not. Based on projected starters. Oh, that's too bad. Jamison Tyon, Steele. Oh, right. The uh, Canadian. And, and Assad. Mm-hmm. Golf. And the first playoff event, the St. Jude Classic. Five of the 70 players is or Canadian. I mean, it's just an extraordinary percentage, Blake, when you think of how far Canadian men's professional golf has come. And what, at one point today, we had three different Canadians who were in the top 15 on the leaderboard there? Well, right Including now. Including Adam Svensson, who's played pretty well. Right now, we've got two Canadians, uh, as we're talking, that are one shot back. We'll see how it finishes by the end of the day. But. No, all, all of them are in the mix. Uh, Nick Taylor's having a better day today. He's going to try to climb back into it. Uh, uh, same with Corey Connor. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's awesome. we have so many scratching wins here. It's uh, you, you'd think that there's a, a winner in there somewhere, especially in these small fields. I mean, you got well, that's it, a fifth of the field almost here. It feels like uh, it's uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah, and look, it, it's a very tall order to say win the FedEx Cup. Mm-hmm over the next three weeks. But even if we had a two, three guys in the in the final at Eastlake in Atlanta, that's that would be yeah. great fun to it because that's a 30-player field. Yeah. Right? And, of course, they modify the scoring there to equalize the FedEx Cup points to that to that point. Yeah. So you know the number and you got to go chasing if you're one of these Canadians. Who, I think it's reasonable to expect that two guys make it. I would think so. Well, I mean, by virtue of his RBC Canadian Open win, Taylor entered twelfth or something, twelfth, fifteenth, yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, and, and Connors has been right there inside the Connors the top on the, was on the number entry. It yeah, was at exactly yeah. for most most of the year. Speaking of golf, I am very pleased to report for the first time in four tries, Team S and P defeated Northlands Brain Trust yesterday at Northlands Golf course in North Vancouver. Shout out to Gary Nettergaard and Superintendent Steve Haggard. They were worthy opponents. And I'm particularly pleased to report 
because I've been asking for this for several years now to no avail. Our best player <laughs> was our best player. Blake with a scintillating 79 yesterday, nearly aced the 14th hole, although there's a story there. Now, must be said, I did all the heavy lifting. Oh, you did? Well, we were three up after three mm. because I was one under after four. Mm. At which point, Superintendent Steve, who might be the most low-key diabolical guy I've ever met in my life, oh, he, was... he looks at me as we're driving up to the 15th because we're sharing a cart and goes, Matt, this is tremendous. Have you ever been one under after four holes here? One and four are hard holes. I go, no, Steve, I can't remember that. He goes, well, I think I may have to get in your kitchen now. And he tried mightily. And then I made a seven on number five, which is a hard hole. And then I made an eight on number six. So it was a very successful kitchen campaign from Superintendent Steve. The only problem with Steve is that there was a lot of dirty dishes piled up in his own kitchen. <laughs> so quite, <laughs> quite right. Blake carried you guys the rest of the way, I see. Uh, no. Oh. I wouldn't ah. go that far. Matt's, Matt's putter saved us a couple times. So okay. Yeah. Get a draw some, but he sim- did similarities. He did throw the- me off the my game for about six or seven holes, and I rip a drive on thirteen. He looks at me, and goes, "I may have to start getting back in your kitchen." <laughs> I was really hoping that was going to be the case, so I could make the comparison to the show about uh, you know how he carries the show day to day. Oh, but, thank uh, you, oh, Grady. Wow, very thank nice. you. Very nice. It's Friday. So, Grady, you know? qu- question for you here, and look, beggars can't be choosers. But here's the circumstances on the fourteenth tee. The Downhill par three. Well, they're all downhill par threes in Northlands. Uh, well, except for 12. What was the plane, Blake? 168 or something like that? Yeah. I think it, uh, I think it was shorter. It was front of the green. So it was oh, okay. 155, maybe 158. Yeah. So Blake hits what he instantly calls fat, swipes at the ground, turns away. Steve says... Blake, that's going to hit the slope and wind up being pretty good. Gary yells, it's in, Blake. We think it hit the stick and just sat there. Is that how you want your first hole in one? Well, a lot of people have Where you're stories. already pouting, swiping the club, not I, even I watching I was, the ball? That's overextended. I thought it was chunky, but I, I know the it hole. It was chunky. I know the hole. I know that it's going to funnel down. I knew. I thought I would be on the fringe putting up. That's Believe it. you me, I know chunky. Yeah. More ways than one. We'll take it. You've heard of me. Ever, would would you have been okay with that, though? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's heard of the, the hole-in-ones off the trees and stuff like that. It happens. Mercilessly. You want something a little more artistic oh. for the memory. I'll take it. Anyways, thanks to Gary, Steve, Curtis, Mike, everybody up at Northlands Golf Course. It's a spectacular property, and it's an even better culture. They have really Gary, Steve, Curtis, and the team there, some of whom will go all the way back 26 years ago when it became the first 18-hole public golf course on the North Shore. They have created a culture and a community asset that everybody there can be proud of. So no bears there. Well yesterday. done. Yeah, there was. Oh, there was. Yeah. There was a bear there we, yesterday. We, we, we missed it. it. Yeah. yeah, up around the ninth hole, and you may have seen on their Instagram page. Yeah. Honestly, that. it's a little bit intimidating to see a bear of that size sort of peeking up, looking into the pro shop. He needed a sleeve of balls. Trying to get a free round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Well, get so in line. Almost getting to that time mm-hmm. where we start to see the Canucks trickling in, playing some rounds. Uh, Rasmus Dallain played there the other oh. day, the Buffalo Sabres yeah. uh, defenseman. He's yes. in town for EA Sports. Right. A lot of guys are in town right now for the motion capture EA Sports. Yeah, so. but it's nasty, too. Yeah. Uh, the other thing uh, I wanted to highlight this weekend, if you're looking for something to do, there is fantastic, really good level volleyball and basketball down at Kitts Fest on Kitts Beach. Shout out to the mayor of Kitts Beach, Howard Kelsey, Ron Putsey, Hanif, Aisha, and the fantastic team that puts on Kitts Fest. I will once again be uh, attending Blake on behalf of our operation and uh, maybe having a nice cold beer or two as I watch the basketball. Carmen's a former competitive volleyball player, so we love going down and watching the beach. You get to get in your Speedo and I... Start uh, getting in the sand Yeah, you got to get rid of the tan lines, right? Yeah. You should wear the Speedo there on Kids Beach. Bounce it out. Yeah. And if you happen to see Matt in a Speedo on Kids Beach. Um, run. Well, <laughs> post a pick first and then run. So maybe oh. Sunday. Um, <laughs> Saturday, we're going to the Lions game from ah, Kids Fest. Yeah. So. Do you see how hot it's turning early next uh, week? I, it's going to be. Yeah, I see it's supposed to be steamy. scorching hot. Yeah. Let's get to today's menu brought to you by De Dutch. De breakfast, de brunch. The lunch, get it all at the Dutch. We'll talk with John Shannon today. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. Uh, topics with John include Eric, um, include the Eric Carlson trade, JT Miller as Canucks captain, S versus P, as mentioned, would Miller make a good captain? It's all coming up. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Now that the San Jose Sharks have parted with Eric Carlson, the conditions are ripe for a Tyler Myers acquisition. You might remember Frank Saravelli's information a couple months back on the Daily Faceoff that the Canucks and Sharks were working on a deal. That it hasn't happened yet may well be a function of Myers' $5 million bonus due next month. Once that is paid, Myers would cost the Sharks or any other team just $1 million in compensation. And you'd have to think the Sharks are inclined to do this deal following the Carson trade. They now have available minutes on the right side of their defense, some of whom may go to Kyle Burroughs, the ex-Canuck. And part of the return for Carlson, forwards Michael Granlin and Mike Hoffman, are veterans expected to be traded over the next couple of deadlines. It's a full teardown rebuild in the Bay Area, sell stars, acquire vets on expiring deals, and turn them both into future assets. For the Canucks, the conditions are ripe too. Moving Myers should create the cap space to go out and acquire a third-line center, which GM Patrick Alvin has acknowledged as the biggest team need. The question now, 
will it cost the Canucks anything to unload Myers' contract, particularly if Tanner Pearson is healthy and they have to account for him and his $3.25 million cap hit on their season opening roster? Other teams get Puckpedia and cap friendly, too. Mm-hmm. They know the bind the Canucks are in. That's welcome at for today. We invite your feedback, feedback channels as follows on email, live at secaresomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter, at Matt Sikaris, at Price, and the welcome mat, a presentation of Great Clips. Hit up the Davy Street location on Wednesday, Blake, on my way home for a haircut. You can save time and opt to get a ready next tax when you're up for a cut. And as we have been telling you, 37 salons in Vancouver and the low, lower mainland, all proudly Canadian-owned and operated. Yeah, there's going to be um, some nervous – I mean, they need to know what the status of Tanner Pearson is. They need to know whether or not they're shipping Tyler Myers out to know whether or not they can even go and get continued help on defense or a third-line center. So – I mean, honestly, there's um, there are some balls in the air here for the Canucks going into training camp, and it's going to be nip and tuck to get under that cap for opening night. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Here's some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group, and hashtags the best and worst of Twitter brought to you by Jason Hominick, Jason.Mortgage. Recent Secure Some Price listener contacted Jason one month before their mortgage renewal. Jason noticed they could get out of the mortgage and get a lower rate. Even with the get out penalty, this listener saved money. Had they waited on the banks to renew, would have cost them $7,000. That's the advantage you get with Jason Hominick on your side. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. You want me to start? Is that what that pause is for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at Elon Musk. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, really? Is he bowing out of the fight? Nope. The fight, the fight, will be managed by my and Zuck's foundations. Oh, he's calling him Zuck now. Ah. Not UFC. Uh, Dana okay. White is involved here, but it's Who's not- training Elon again? Someone famous is training him. Live stream will be on this platform, meaning Twitter, and Meta. Everything in camera frame will be ancient Rome. Nothing modern at all. I spoke to the PM of Italy and the Minister of Culture. They have agreed on an epic location. It goes mm-hmm. on to say everything will be done. We'll pay respect to the past and present of Italy, and all proceeds go to veterans. Um, Georges St. Pierre is training him. Oh, really? Quote, he's very tough. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Elon. Uh, apparently, no, this no. is going to happen. George said that about oh, Elon. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, sure he is. Um, he's, already, he's already got excuses. Um the problem with my right shoulder blade rubbing against my ribs requires minor surgery. So he's, yeah, he's saying he needs an MRI. Well, he's already got the MRI, but oh okay. Um, anyway, it's they're they're saying it'll be uh, next spring, twenty twenty four, at the Coliseum. Ah, can't wait. Oh no, I can't actually. I I, mm-hmm. I lied. I can't wait. At John D. Hodge, Three Down Nation. 
Blue Bombers overcome 22 point deficit to beat the Elks. Oh. How did they get down 22 points to the Elks? Edmonton, well, Jerry's Jackson is the offensive coordinator. They threw some wrinkles at him early in the game. They got the running game going. The young Canadian quarterback looked pretty good. And then they couldn't close it out even with Zach Caleros out of the game. Did you see that? Poor Caleros yeah. took another head hit. Drew Brown comes in, goes 17 of 24 for 307 and four TDs. Palmers win 38-29. Edmonton can't convert a third and two late in the game where they have a chance to to keep this thing alive. So it's 22 points, uh, a 22-point blown lead. It is 22 consecutive losses for the Edmonton Elks at home. That is a all-time record for not just the Canadian Football League. It would be the record in the NFL, NBA, MLB, and uh, the National Hockey League. And um, they're they're on their way now to just consecutive losses record. So we have that fascination to look to. Chris Jones, their head coach, calling it the most frustrating thing he has ever experienced in his life. And you do wonder how much longer they're going to stick with Chris Jones. Um, Farhan Lalji tells me they are not interested in Chris Strebler, the former Winnipeg quarterback, at least at the moment, who was released this week by the New York Jets. But you do wonder if it continues to go poorly whether they are going to have to just do something out there, bring a name in to try and change the narrative after all this losing. Yeah, it's uh, it's a and lot. And for the Lions, a couple of things here. Number one, boy, would that have been a handy result if Edmonton could have held on. Alas, no, so now yeah. you've got to win to keep pace record-wise with Winnipeg. Again, the Bombers right now on the tie break. But secondly... If this is a longer-term injury to Zach Caleros and the poor guys had concussion issues, then do your chances improve with Drew Brown, who looked great yesterday but is not a league MOP and Grey Cup winner like Caleros? It's, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't been able to get a, a, a taste for how uh, big the vitriol is in Edmonton. The risk is that there's none. The risk is that there's been so much losing mm-hmm. that the care has stopped there in Edmonton. Well, and of course, a, uh, a franchise um, accustomed to doing a lot of winning there. I mean, they yeah. have been, you know, the two Alberta teams have really been the most successful organization. Well, that's the thing. The you don't want to lose that success, right? 30, 40 years. Uh, attendance yesterday just shy of 20,000 announced. It was 19,921. But in that Boy, stadium? It, looked, it didn't look like 19,921, uh, uh, and that certainly isn't paid attendance. They may be papering at this point, but you're right. It's also a huge stadium where uh, 20,000 doesn't exactly look. And, of course, forever they were accustomed to getting 30,000-plus for Elks games. Not or good. Eskimos games, as they were once called. Yes, indeed. Um at Sporting Green SF out of San Francisco, the U.S. women's national team had its worst World Cup finish in history on the same weekend the Pac-12 collapsed, one of its best pipelines for amateur soccer talent. This is uh, one of the many pieces that has been written about the concern about North American soccer, which has a direct um, uh, tie to, of course, Canadian soccer success as well. Um there is a growing concern that 
the U.S. college game is going to be in peril here to some degree, with especially on the West Coast, at least with the with the demise of the Pac-10 slash 12, and that the NWSL might be falling behind the European leagues, and that that might. Well, this is what we talked about. Yeah. they, you know, like Christine Sinclair, you know, and others clamoring for a, a, a domestic league. Are you going to be able to attract the top talent given what is going on? And if the NWSL can't work, what mm-hmm. are the chances the Canadian Women's right. League can work? And incidentally, what a fantastic match from Spain and Netherlands mm. last night. Yeah. Watch some of that. That was scintillating stuff. Yeah. The, the, the uh, late-round games have been very close yeah, and, they have. And, and very good. But, um, yeah, I mean, you have to believe that a, a domestic league involving teams north and south of the border probably picked, uh, makes more sense. Uh, combining the efforts so that you can share the expenses, especially from a Canadian perspective. If you, if you can, yeah. if you can put some of the expense on the American teams to travel from Montreal to Vancouver, well, that makes a lot more that's sense. That's it. Like the, the Canadian league for me would need shorter term road trips from the Western ports. Yeah. Um, of course, you can do that in the East. You know, you can make them bus trips. It is harder to do that in the West. So you basically need some American franchises. Just for the cost of, uh, to mitigate the cost of or, or, have, or have two conferences worth not in, with no interconference well, that's play. It, that sort of thing. Vancouver you know, plays Seattle, like Portland, baseball. San Francisco. You know, you know like like baseball used to. Where yeah. the World Series was the you know the two leagues first time with yeah. the American Met National at CJ Zero on golf. Question to Rory McIlroy yesterday. Talk of the golf world is this book excerpt that came out about Phil Mickelson. Curious what your reaction was when you read about it, Rory. Um, at least he can bet on the Ryder Cup this year as he won't be part of it. He didn't say he that. He said that. <laughs> of course, it, sound, it always sounds softer in the lilting Irish accent, right? It's never quite the death blow when you hear it in that. I was never Most a Rory disarming. fan. I was never a Rory fan. I found him too. Um, I've been a Rory fan. Defensive um, as he tried to get take the baton from Tiger. Like I found him like, um, well, but so honest, Blake. Like he he just he, yeah. That's that, what I love about him. And yeah. plus, you have to love the way he drives the golf ball. Don't quite love his wedges or putting all the time, but yeah, it's uh, he's he's shown up to be uh, a bit of a hero in amidst all this. I also like how he oftentimes is in the middle of his answer, like you get you get sort of the the stop signs, like. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> where it always seems like he's got to eke the words out. You know, it's not part of my routine. <laughs> Just choking on them a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Uh, I'm out. Oh, lastly from me. Tell me how you feel about this. At Marty Fish, mm. former ATP. Yes, player, yeah. Terrific unknown uh, documentary on him. There is, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, I started the Un- unknown. Unreal. Unreal. Unreal? Oh, no. Not unknown. No, 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 no. It's on something. Um, untold. Untold. Story. There untold. we go. Yeah. My bad. I actually started the Untold on Johnny Manziel last night. And wow, it's quite clear that Team Manziel had a lot of editorial oversight here. Uh, Marty Fish, the five most condescending names. Number one, Chief. Number two, Big Guy. Number three, Pal. Ray Ferraro's favorite. <laughs> Number four, fella. Number five, bud. Discuss. No chum. What was number four? 
Fella. Fella. I don't think Fella is, should, belongs on this list. I like, I, I, in terms of this list, I don't like using this at all. Guy, guy. kills me. Uh, guy was kills the one me. for me that was missing here. We used to say guy a lot very innocuously amongst our friend group, but now I do believe it is loaded with condescension. Oh, like, to me it's number one. I hear really? that and my guy? blood boils. My blood boils when I hear guy. All right, guy. Yeah. Like it, it is so condescending. It is so I have no interest in learning your name. Like, mm. like, oh, wow. like, it, like it, it is. It's very loaded for me. See, I still have friends who will call me up and say, "Hey, guy, what's up, guy, guy," and it's just it's from our youth. Yeah. So I'm okay with guy. Big guy is number two. When you put the big in front of the guy, for me, it gets most condescending. See, the only person I've ever heard use that is Tom Manick, and he's the nicest man on earth. So that's I, true. Yeah, that's I, true. I, I don't Tom have any bad. Very, very yeah. nice. Pal is uh, it's loaded. Nah, see, but I I use pal with my son a little bit. Hey, pal, how's it going? Like it, it's uh, it's friendly, it's more loving for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What about Bud? Buddy, I use a lot, but again, to my son. Mm-hmm. Um, Buddy, I use a, a term of affection. Yeah. What about bro? Listen, bro. Maybe that's the younger generation. No, bro's a bro's a uh, bro's, bro's like a, term a, of endearment it, as well. Yeah. Oh no, so for but you, it insults. goes both ways. No, though. to me, it's the bro, bro. What's up, bro? Yeah. No, I, I think most contexts, bro. bro is. Eh. Really? No, to me, it's oh, okay. to me, it's it's that conversation. Benning, bro. Oh. Maybe we should do a poll question on this at some point. <laughs> yes. Most condescending names, and that's hashtags for today. So, here's a price from Wall Center and a presentation: Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Mitsubishi just handed the keys to the brand new 2023 Mitsubishi Outlander to yours truly. And it's a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. Looked gorgeous yesterday. You brought it to the golf course. Is that its maiden voyage? It was. Mm. I've driven probably 70 kilometers in it already from the dealership to Northlands, Northlands home, home to here. Mm -hmm. Um... The gas tank has not moved. <laughs> you don't say. Uh, the sales guy, Prav, who put me through the ins and outs of the car, mm-hmm. said they had, a, they had a, a customer recently, 2,000 kilometers on a tank. Oh, wow. 2,000 kilometers on a tank of gas. And at the price of gas these days? Yeah, not a bad option. And it is so finally a point to go check it out at Applewood Mitsubishi in the Richmond Automall. Bodog poll question today. Would JT Miller make a good captain? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikharson Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. World Cup down under, where England and France, two old foes, are once again on a collision course. There's not a ton of value in taking either of them to win, but put them together, parlay. Hundred bucks would pay off at two thirty if they wind up getting to the semis together on your Bodog line of the day. Joined now as we are on Fridays by the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada, the co-host of the Bob McCowan podcast. It is our pleasure to welcome John Shannon back to secure some price. John, how are you? I'm great, boys. You? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Have you ever had a hole in one? You know, I have played the game of golf for fifty eight years. I've hit the pin. I've never had a hole in one. I have never mm-hmm. had a hole in one. Now, the way I'm playing now, I will never get a hole in one. 
<laughs> but I've never had a hole in one, and and now I see Shane O'Brien in Ireland has had a hole in one. I mean, what oh. is going on? I mean, I'm not sure we're going to hear the end of this from O'Brien uh, for the next eh, 15, 16 years. He doesn't need an excuse to buy the entire clubhouse drinks. That's sort of what he That's his brands, John. That, that was certainly his brand here on Granville Street. So was never hearing the end of him. In Vancouver. That's also his brand. Yes. <laughs> well, if there, was a, if there was ever a marriage made for the media, it was Shane O'Brien and the world. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. He wasn't Ale Vigneault's favorite guy here for a while there, but he was certainly uh, willing to play ball with all of us. So. We enjoyed the association. This guy over here, painfully close to a hole in one yesterday. Closest I've been. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, when it sits, what? Well, two how, how close? Mm-hmm. How, how close cup. is close? Two, two, two inches. inches. It rolled, rolled past it. Yeah. Or we may, may have hit the stick. We're yeah. not entirely sure. Someone yeah. in the group yelled, it's in, Blake. Yeah. But alas, it sat there yeah. on the lip. John, your thoughts on the Eric Carlson trade? Well, it was the inevitable, wasn't it? Uh, and uh, Kyle Dubas uh, felt he needed to make a splash to give Crosby, Malkin, Latang one last kick at trying to win a cup. Uh, dare I say, maybe the answer should be getting back into the playoffs first. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he, he's a difference maker. But four players can't win you the cup. The, you know, they have a few holes that they have to fill. Sure, Jake Gensel's only going to miss five to seven regular season games. Um, but the problem that the Penguins had last year was lack of depth, and I think they still have those problems. What did you think of the return that San Jose got, and what did you make of Montreal getting in there as a broker? Um, I was surprised to see Jeff Petrie agree to go back to Montreal. Uh, you know, he now he had... He had his best years in hockey in Montreal. And uh, by the way, his family were media stars in Montreal. When you think about all the content we got out of his wife and his, his, his one of his children. Um, but, and I'm, st- and I'm still wondering if Petrie will play there, you know, because last I checked, you can still make trades uh, and you can still move bodies around. Um, and, and I, I mean, if, from that perspective, I think Montreal did fine. I, I'm, I'm not sure what San Jose did. Uh, I, I really am not. I mean, th- sure, they got a, a, a couple of bodies, but th- th- those bodies weren't going to be long-term in Pittsburgh. Uh, they were, they were going to be part of the collateral damage of Kyle Dubas rebuilding the team. They did get a protected first-round pick next year, and that's always a good thing. But you're also then, if you're Mike Greer, you're betting that the Penguins don't succeed. Uh, and they're they're high in the uh, in the 32 that uh, that will pick uh, in the draft. So uh, under the circumstances, they got rid of a lot of cash. They don't have to pay very much, uh, and they got a draft pick. And I think in the end, when you look at what the return is, those are to be the two things that will keep the the owner happy and probably be the best payback for the organization in the long term. The other news from earlier in the week was Matt Dumba uh, signing with the Coyotes and uh, a pretty reasonable deal. What do you think the Coyotes are doing right now? Uh, we've been discussing that a little bit, that they, they actually might be okay, and they, they might actually be trying to be okay. Uh, it's funny. I um, Last Thursday, I, I spent some time with Bill Armstrong at a golf tournament here in Toronto, and, and, uh, 
and he told me that they were close to getting Dumba that day. Uh, he also, mm-hmm. you know, he, they also were on the verge of uh, getting the McBain arbitration hearing done and, and, and a, a settlement done. I think they are going to be better than most people anticipate, Blake. I, I think they're going to be a factor in that central division for a, at least for a while. I don't know for how long, but for a while. It's all going to be up to goaltending. Um, but, but just you know, the fact he, that they're trying to be good is a, is a revelation. Well, well, and their goaltending was decent last sure year. Sure like, yeah. was. Vermalka was really bit. good. Yeah, he was He was solid. Um, I, I think... You know, I, I think all of the politics aside, all of the franchise instability aside, Bill Armstrong's got an internal budget he's working with, and he's trying to make a good team. I mean, he, that's, that's his job in all of this, and I think they're doing okay. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the question of what are some of their big stars, will they end up staying long-term, like Clayton Keller, will he end up staying long-term, I think is a question that has to be asked. But mm. at this point, you know what, they're entertaining um, that little barn is going to be home ice advantage for sure. They won't have the issue as they did last year, remember, of having that ginormous road trip to start the season. So they might become a bigger factor. So you're right. I actually, I joked with him and he he, he kind of smiled at me. He didn't really want to acknowledge it. I said, you're going to love living in Salt Lake City. So, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't taking trust, trust me trust me he wasn't taking he was not taking the bait bill's a good bill's a good man i've known him <laughs> since he was a head coach in the american league uh, but he wasn't taking the bait when i said you're gonna look good living in salt lake city so hey uh just getting back to montreal for a second um two straight years bottom of the division two straight years towards the bottom of the league uh, and I'm asking this because we're going to ask here t- uh, you to compare Vancouver with uh, Toronto and Montreal in terms of hockey markets and pressure. But how much patience do you think fans and ownership have in this city? Uh, of course, acknowledging the fact that once upon a time, the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. parade took the usual route, right? Mm-hmm. How, yeah. how much patience and how much more are are they all willing to go through there, Jeff Molson and the fans? before it's got to show signs of upward mobility. Well, I mean, Jeff Molson has to be patient. He put them in this position. You know, he, he, you know, he made the change in leadership and hired Jeff Gorton uh, and, and got Kent to be the, uh, the, the manager. So um, I, I give them this year. I think that we're this will be the final year of the honeymoon, if you want to put it that way, and then there'll be expectation. Uh, you know, they still have some young parts that uh, that have to start to to uh, contribute more. I mean, not everybody's been Cole Caulfield, uh, and and so they're they're going to have to do that. They still have, to, I, you know, they still have to find a replacement for Carey Price. And I'm not, you know, I mean, depending who you talk to, whether it's Samuel Montembeau, they went and got Casey DeSmith from Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I don't think Casey dismissed the answer. So they still have to find a way long-term to find a, a, a solid goaltender. But I think they've done an amazing job in communicating with their fans, who I, I view as the most sophisticated hockey fans in the world, uh, that this rebuild was going to take a while and it's going to take, you know, a certain amount of time. And I think that that this season will be... Um, maybe the end of that honeymoon that allows the fans to still enjoy the losses as much as they enjoy the wins. But a year from now, I think that there's going to be different expectations. 
And you were telling us before, because we mentioned to you that Frankie Corrado joined uh, Wednesday and was telling us that he didn't think it was too dissimilar during his experience Vancouver, Toronto, in terms of the fan and media pressure. And of course, uh, you know, Montreal involved in that as well. But you actually think uh, you think Vancouver, Montreal and Edmonton are, are the toughest markets in Canada. Explain. Well, um, when October comes in all three of those cities, um, there's, and, and this is with all due respect to the CFL teams in all three of those cities, uh, there's, they're the focal point of, of the market. They are the market. Uh, the amount of content created in Vancouver, the amount of content created in Edmonton, and particularly the double amount of content created in Montreal in both languages, I think is is inordinately tougher than it is in Toronto. Um, now, does it get tough in Toronto in playoffs when they don't perform? Sure, it does, but it does in every Canadian city in the playoffs. But from October to April, I think that the the other cities, uh, other than Toronto, Toronto. I'm not saying it's a country club because it's not. There's always lots of media. There's always lots of analysis. But I think it's rather tame compared to what can happen, particularly in Montreal and Vancouver. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I, as you guys know, I mean, I think the sophistication of the media in Vancouver is highly regarded. So that when something happens at practice, and the first question in the press conference to the coach is, "Hey, you pulled that guy aside for three minutes. What'd you talk about?" That doesn't happen in every city. No, no, that Even happens in, Toronto, in Vancouver, people- and it certainly. Ha- People might be surprised in Montreal. People might be surprised that there was a time uh, not too long ago when, when the hard questions were rarely asked in those press conferences in Toronto. Uh, you know, the the hockey mecca, the center of the universe, and I don't know if it was because Dryden was there for a long time and nobody dared to 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 cross Ken Dryden, but um, it, <laughs> he wasn't it just, there that long. He wasn't there that no, long. No, yeah. no. And I remember, you know, the Al Strackens and Steve Simmons of the world throwing high heat uh, oh. at Pat Quinn and others. The, I, I for, for sure. talking to the reporters, the beat reporters that were in those press conferences, I often uh, heard them say, I can't believe the questions that get asked in Vancouver. Like that, and, and not that they're offside questions, just that they're more pointed. More pointed, more direct. Um, and I, I, I think that, I, and quite frankly, I, I think if you look at where social media is with the, with the fan bases, you, you get the sense of where that, I, I'm not sure I want to call it a mandate, but responsibility comes from, because there's mm-hmm. a sophistication in, in the market in Vancouver that says, you know, you, you know, you, you we're going to, we're going to hold the media accountable too. If they don't ask the silly, they don't ask the smart questions. Yeah. You guys, I'm I'm telling you, I'm not telling you something you no. guys don't already know. <laughs> no. I mean, you've 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 lived this, and uh, I've seen it from afar. And uh, you know, when I used to do Vancouver regional games, and I would say something that I knew was factual that the fan face wouldn't believe. I, I you know, the amount of uh, of call out I got was huge, and then you'd have to sit back and say, "Hey, guys." Don't shoot the messenger. You know, this is this is what they're thinking. This is what's going on. You may not like it, but that's a fact. Because, you know, it's all about, in, in the end, it's all about sources. Right, Maddie? My editorial Wednesday <laughs> is still getting me uh, yelled at from certain quarters on social media. That's part, oh, so that's part of me too. And, that's me down. Too. and, you know, I say, it to, I say it to our operation. I say it to people who are in the market. 
part of the job here is being a punching bag. People are going to throw darts and you can't respond to each and every one of them. So, you know, under either don't let it affect you or don't read it. Um, you got one of two options in terms of coping. Yeah. Well, I have a I have a rule if if they if the person doesn't have their face on their on their uh, yeah. account, then I don't have to respond. If they yeah, don't have the I'm, balls to put their face on the account. I don't have to respond. Yeah, I'm more inclined to uh, respond to real people uh, than I uh, than otherwise. Here's what I'll say about the Toronto Vancouver juxtaposition. Having worked and covered um, both teams in both markets, I, I always got the sense that Leafs fans still retained optimism, still felt that eventually something was going to go their way. They were sort of conditioned into accepting, mm-hmm. you know, I say mediocrity, but for a lot of years there, it wasn't even mediocrity. Uh, and of course, they never got close. Vancouver's been close. Vancouver Canucks fans, I think Donnie Taylor hits it on the head when he talks about the anticipation, you know, impending doom is always around the corner. So, and I do think that makes them from time to time uh, a a little bit angrier uh, than the counterparts in Toronto that that are still somehow, some way keeping the faith, John, after 56 years. I mean, the Maple Leafs, the Maple Leafs have become the Cubs. The Maple Leafs yeah. have become the Chicago the Cubs losers. of all those yeah. years. Mm-hmm. The, yes. Yeah. And so, you know, okay, 117 points in the regular season. Yeah, what are you going to do in the playoffs? You know, are you going to lose again in the playoffs? Mm. I mean, and that that has been the refrain, you know. And, and, I, and I want – I'm going to say something that – the thing about Vancouver that you have to love is there's a chip on the shoulder. And there's a chip on the shoulder for a lot of reasons. One of it is that it's not Toronto, and it's you know the you know the great the greatest wall in the history of mankind, the Rocky Mountains. Keep everybody out. Um, but at the same time, that cheap that chip on the shoulder drives people to want to win, and and that's a good thing. And I think that the, I think what what the fan base does in Vancouver is holds a ton of people accountable. And there's nothing wrong with that. Over the uh, course of the last three seasons, JT Miller would uh, rank, you know, near the top. He's 15th in scoring over the last three seasons combined. Um, do you think that he's got that reputation league-wide of being one of the top players in the league over the last three seasons? I, I don't know that he's that recognized league-wide. The only place I think he is is New York. I, I think yeah. I think Ranger fans know that JT Miller could put the puck in the net. Uh, I'm not sure that it was that way in Tampa, but I think that that first evolution of Miller in New York and when they had to give him up in one of those trades uh, with the Lightning, I I think Ranger fans still, there's, I think there's still a little bit of, God, I wish we still had JT Miller. Because, I mean, at the deadline, there's always going to be that fan base that says, well, the Rangers should get JT Miller back. Um, I think there is an appreciation for him in New York. I'm not sure there is anywhere else. but there's certainly an appreciation for JT Miller telling the truth everywhere. So that's yeah. uh, that's the one thing I would say about that. You caught his interview, huh? What did you make of it? Good for him. I mean, come on. We it, it, those are the people we're dying to have on every club. I mean, I, I guarantee you, you know, and and Cam Jensen and Andy Strickland deserve credit for getting them on the show. I can tell you there were 10,000 podcasts trying to find an email or a text to say, hey, how can we get JT Miller on our show? <laughs> so so that's, uh, 
you know, that's what, uh, he's always been a great quote. You know, during the pandemic, he was the voice of, and I say this uh, without uh, unabashedly, he was the voice of reason for a lot of things. He protected his teammates so much. Remember when the scheduling issues came up with the, when the closure and the pandemic and the shutdown, it was JT Miller that did it. This guy is, I think, in many ways, the ultimate teammate. And I'd, I think you'd love to have him on your team. And, and there's nothing wrong with being called out by a teammate if you're not doing your job. The funny thing you is, think he's, I, think yeah. he, I think he thinks he's misunderstood. But I, 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 based on that interview, I think he, I, he's fully understood. Sure. I think, I think he, he's, he wears everything on his sleeve. So I, think we, I don't think he's misunderstood at all. I think we know exactly what he is. I think he's John Tortorella on skates. Yeah. Do you think he's captain material John, you for know. the Vancouver Canucks? Do you, do you think there, uh, there's a chance <sighs> that he wears the C when this is all said and done? Or do they have to turn it over to one of the young stars? Um, I, I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm now of the, uh, I'm, I'm now of the realm that says, screw the captaincy, forget it. I don't want a rotating captain. ace. I want, cause rotate a, a's. Yeah. You know, assistant captains, but you hear on every team now, every team talk about the, we you know we're dealing with the leadership group. We're dealing with the leadership group. And that, that to me is. That to me is, uh, I think, integral to it. I mean, you you know, just because you have a captain doesn't mean you have good leadership. And mm-hmm. I, I think that there's a group of guys, and I think I think the guy like Quinn Hughes, a guy like uh, like Pedersen, uh, like a lot of the young guys on this club can learn from the veterans. Um, and I think that you learn from the veterans is how to act as a group, how to act as twenty three, mm-hmm. not as two. And I think that uh, I'm one of those guys that now advocates, unless you got a Sidney Crosby, unless you got Connor McDavid, don't force the issue of having a captain. And we'll end it there. Marvelous stuff, John. Thanks for this. Enjoy your weekend until next Friday. Yeah, have a good weekend, mm-hmm. boys. Yeah, the weather's, you too. weather's good here. Oh, yeah. He's, he's going to try for another near ace here. I can be no lake. Well, don't be like Ken Weeb in Winnipeg where he had two in the same 18. Oh, gosh. Oh, how dare he? Yeah. <laughs> I know. That was my lifetime. Sick Harrison Price from Wall Center Presentation Apple at Auto Group And it's Friday So another edition of S versus Peter Debate segment where Blake and I take on a topic And uh, you all decide who's made the better argument Last week, we asked, can the Canucks get by Connor McDavid's Oilers in the playoffs? You argued yes. I argued no. And uh, you won. And resoundingly, 71 to 29% on Twitter and 29 to 9 on YouTube, bringing your season record to six wins, two losses, and two draws. Hmm. Feels bigger than that, but okay. Well... Today's question, it's also our Bodog poll question. Would JT Miller make a good captain? I'll be arguing yes. Blake will be arguing no. Two minutes per argument. Mediator Grady Sass presiding. And of course, we ask you, the voters, to set aside your own personal biases. We're not asking you for your opinion on this question. We're asking you to evaluate and decide who has made a better argument. On the question. Mm-hmm. 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 So, by the way, I was away last week. How did uh, Judge Martins do? 
in my absence. Uh, I felt there was bias against me based oh. on long-term oh, grievance. Yeah. <laughs> long-term grievance. And I am um, petitioning the appellate court to throw it out. Oh, Other than that, it went swimmingly. It's a pattern I'm picking yep. up on. Here. Yeah, there's a pattern. All right. All right. Who's going first? I'll go first. Okay. Okay. All right, Blake. Yeah. Your two minutes begins now. You know, noise is fun when it comes to player comments. The more a player says, the more we have to talk about as media and fans. But not all noise is constructive. And when it comes to captaincy, sometimes less is more. Not to mention, you set yourself up for failure by taking more proverbial shots. Say more, you're bound to say something that gets taken wrong and causes some furor. That's why you get Bo Horvats of the world. Bo was great, wasn't quiet, but also didn't put a lot of meat on the bone. But some of the great NHL captains of all time either said very little or said things quietly. Joe Sackick, Henrik Sedin, Steve Eiserman, even a guy like Jerome McGinley, who was a bit of a Horvat himself, friendly, engaging, but not a lot to work with ultimately. JT Miller's verbosity isn't a key ingredient to a captaincy. It may be to the leadership group as a whole, and he'll be a part of that to be sure, but it's not a huge attractant for his candidacy as the actual captain itself. Ginla had Funuf and Kiprasov. Henrik Sedin had Ryan Kessler. They were all part of the group, but the man at the top was the serene, calm authority. JT Miller isn't going to care if he's the C or not. Or if he does, great. He'll probably use that to his advantage. Maybe it'll spur him on to be a complete player. And that's also part of being a leader. Not what you say, but what you do. Sedin, Sackick, Iserman were first guys to practice, last to leave kind of guys. They demonstrated the gold standard on and near the ice. That sounds a whole lot more like Quinn Hughes or Elias Pettersson right now, more so than Miller. Or, hey, maybe there is no captain. No hurt feelings if nobody gets passed over, if it's truly a collective. Until this team is led to the playoffs by a transcendent season from someone, maybe the captaincy remains up for grabs. Right at. Yeah. I was going to say, minutes. where was the buzzer there? Um, that was professional. Ass. That well, was he professional. Got it in before, the buzzer only plays if you go over. <clears throat> New rules I'd make on the fly here. Well, it's not a new rule. It's just common sense. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be helpful Which at the appellate so court common re- for level. Some, myself new included. rules I made up on the spot. You, you, there you go. That's what just, I'm up against here. Just hydrate, for heaven's sakes, and get yourself ready. When you're in my chair, when you're the judge, the mediator, you can do that. All right, Matt. You know, they're, speaking of hmm? patterns, hmm? be it Trevor Martins, be it Andrew Wadden, be it Grady Sass. We hand them a little bit of power in this segment and mm. look at how they abuse it. Yeah, or maybe it's the person on the other end of that confrontation. Okay, let's go. Order. Objection. All right, Matt. Mm-hmm. Two minutes begins now. Blake's talking about noise. The Canucks need noise. Room is too quiet, according to head coach Rick Talkett. New coach, new culture. The louder, the better. Turn it up to 11. Now, the case for JT Miller as Canucks captain is that he's the alfiest alpha whoever alphaed. He's going to be the loudest, most outwardly passionate player in that room. So why not formalize that with the captaincy? Because he's going to be talking regardless. He's going to be sharing his opinion. Miller as captain alleviates the burden, the pressure on Elias Pettersson 
and Quinn Hughes, rather than having to be superstars and spokespeople, they can just focus on the former. Miller would take the heat, explain the losses, create the headlines, and keep Petey and Quinn sheltered from the big, bad Vancouver media, especially if this season goes awry again. By recognizing Miller, the Canucks could anticipate a fuller commitment to the defensive side of the puck, something they sorely need if he's going to continue playing center, and he is going to continue playing center. He would also become Talkett's chief apostle in that room. And let's face it, Talkett and Miller seems like a fantastic match. They're copacetic. Two honest assessment types who are going to raise the level of accountability and fire. Traits that have been lacking with the Canucks since the Sedin ryan Kessler dynamic that Blake pointed out. Look, there's a very good case to make Peter Hughes your next captain, or even rotating a cast of alternates. But the question here isn't who would make the best captain. The question here is whether JT Miller would make a good captain. And on that narrower question, one can arrive at yes. Yes, he would. Leaving 15 seconds to speak. Didn't need it. Didn't need it. Succinct to the point. I'm surprised he was able to speak for a minute 45 on this topic, but. All right, now it's over to you. We need you to vote, whether you're on Twitter or on YouTube. And, of course, if you're on YouTube, subscribe, and we'd love to see you leave a comment or two. S versus P, a presentation of Liuna 1611. BC Laborers Union. Check out 1611.ca. Liuna has your back. Harrison Price from Wall Center Presentation Apple at Auto Group. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Harrison omissions from yesterday's program. There may have been talk, Blake, about dropping a football program out in the Atlantic University Sport Division, but the end of last year, St. FX, Mount A, St. Mary's, Acadia, and Bishops, which is in Quebec, but moved over to that division. Yeah, it did, huh? Yeah. Oh, uh, so they're all got still all. playing football. Okay, yes. good. I thought there was one gone for sure. I, I want to say it was discussed at one point, or there were fears at Mount A that they, they yeah. were going to drop the program. But maybe alumni rallied. I, I, I can't imagine. Acadia's got a very strong football alumni program. I would be very surprised. And uh, St. FX uh, ran the table last year uh, mm-hmm. in the regular season. We're 8-0. So uh, I, uh, I would be surprised, but it's always bears watching because of the cost of putting on that program. Grady, anything from the inbox? Yes. Yerky mm. tweeting at me. Always Yerky. I was under the impression that I made the air on this, so I had to go and review the tape. But he said... E&O on the whole chipmunk voice thing is a committed 1.75x speed podcast listener. I can happily say that the accelerated podcasts don't change the pitch of the sound, just the tempo. Now, it was actually Matt who first brought up the chipmunk thing. Uh, 1.75 is yeah, that's fast. He is buzzing through. Mm. Wow. Only so many hours in the day for old Yerky. Yeah. Mm. Um. So he usually tweets individually at Matt or Blake when they mm-hmm. made the air. He only tweeted at me. So you, I was initially calling a flag on Yerky for this. Mm. So However, he's scared. After further, what I'm hearing is he's scared. After mm. further review, I think it was just more of a general yeah. oversight. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we corrected mid-show yesterday. The There is no more non-waiver trade deadline yeah. in baseball. 2020 ended that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bodog line of the daytime with Blake Price. Bodog, your source for casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. So you like what you got. Uh, I'd never seen this one before. For tomorrow's third round at the FedEx St. Jude and the PGA Tour, the third round, boss of the moss. Fewest putts. Not everybody in the field's available, but there's, uh, let's see, five, 16 names there. I'm just going to go with the favorite because he's playing well right now. Jordan Spieth, the plus 700. Fewest pots in the round. I love Jordan. I, I, was wa- I was watching some of the coverage last night after I got home from golfing with you and, and thinking to myself, I-, I could really get behind Jordan Spieth winning the FedEx Cup. Jordan Spieth has not given me a single reason in, what, the 10 years that he's been on the golf scene to dislike him. No, he's great. I love virtually everything about him. He's so huge. I love the fact that he doesn't overpower golf courses. Yep. I love the fact that he thinks his way through golf rounds. I love the fact that he vocalizes virtually everything he's thinking on course. I love the ball talk. I love the interaction with the caddy and the fans. And you got to love what he does around the greens. He's an absolute magician. Yeah. Seems like a nice guy, if, too. If, if one of the Canadians can't win, let it be Jordan Spieth. <laughs> On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us and Rank Wide wherever you get your podcast. And then please do follow us on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And then support those community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local. <laughs>